Your news, your entertainment, your business. We're on a mission from God. This is the Rich Rossman Show. Hey, everybody. It's uh, 5 o'clock about straight up. And it's uh, Rich Rothman on the Rich Rothman Show and 880 The Biz. Glad to have you here on a, uh, a little bit of a cool uh, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday day, but not bad considering other things and other places in the country. And, you know, in the studio with us this week, uh, we're really happy to have uh, Jim Lasky from uh, James Lasky from uh, Chicago. Of course, we've had Jim on the show many, many times with the Chicago Report. He, of course, is the uh, the author of the current book, My Fall from Grace: City Hall to Prison Walls, and we're going to talk about that. And of course, Jim um, was the second most powerful man in Chicago for many years. Jim Lasky, say hello to everybody. Hi, Rich. How are you? Me? You know what? When I came yeah. out of the plane, I brought the Chicago Sun Times with me, and I had to read you the weather forecast in, in Chicago. Where are the Sun Times? Uh, in the other office. Yeah. When but we take a break, we'll go get it. Yeah, high 31 today, uh, low 21 with snow flurries. So, I mean, I am ecstatic to be here in, in sunny Florida. Yeah, so we convinced uh, Jim Lasky. J J what did you really prefer, Jim or James or JJ? Jim. JJ is good. Whatever you whatever you feel comfortable with, I'm I'm happy. I'm going to call you Bobby. You know what? Right, I'm, no. I'm I'm happy to be in Florida. Call me anything. All right. So so we convinced him. We said, you know, you ought to come down here and uh, and take you know take a look at South Florida and talk to us because we think Jim has got some really good things to talk about. And obviously Chicago is the uh, the second White House uh, for the next four maybe eight years. And right. so there's a lot of relevance to that. And Jim being the you know the second most powerful man in the city. You wielded a lot of power when you were there. Well, you know what? I, I was in politics for over 27 years, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it all ended. Uh, I, you know, I spent uh, uh, about a year in. You federal, took a vacation. I took a vacation in a federal prison in Morgantown, West Virginia. That's in, right, in, folks. In, in the hills of West Virginia, and when I came out, I said, "You know what? I had to do something different in my life, and uh, I wanted to try, um, you know, some lecturing, and I, I really have an interest in radio." Rich, and, right. and, and one of the reasons I'm down here is just, uh, is to look into a radio career and, and, and talk to people about politics, prisons, ethics, Chicago. Ethics. Ethics. Yeah. Very important. Anybody have any ethics out there they can spare? Call 1-866-954-4276, which coincidentally happens to be our ethics hotline right here at the studio. Uh, anyway, we're on 880 The Biz. We're glad to have you here this afternoon. Jim Lasky is going to be here all day. We're going to do a special two-hour show tomorrow night on 880 The Biz from uh, 6 o'clock till 8 o'clock. Right. I got that right. And, and then we're back on Thursday with Jim. Uh, we're doing a live broadcast. We want you all to be there starting at 5 o'clock. Go to Books and Books and Coral Gables on Aragon Avenue. That's Books and Books. You can get to meet Jim Lasky, and you can uh, get a copy of his book, My Fall from Grace, which he will sign for you, which is going to become a very important collector's item because Jim's going to become a very famous, well-known personality on the radio, on the national scene. So we're very excited to have you. Well, from, from your lips to uh, God's ears... Yeah, uh, but uh, you know what? Tomorrow's show is going to be interesting because we're going to have some people calling in from Chicago. Some, Who's coming? Who do you think is coming in? Well, we're going to have some reporters from the uh, the major newspapers, the Chicago Tribune, the Chicago Sun Times. Terrific. I'm going to have a, a couple of uh, f uh, retired elected officials from uh, Chicago and Springfield, Illinois, and people who knew our former governor, and uh, it should be interesting. Uh, and we're going to talk about 
my standard line now is what's in the water in Chicago and Illinois that makes people go down that road like I went down that road in Blagojevich and, and three other governors and, and I think over the last 20 years I think we've had like 25 city councilmen be indicted convicted and go to prison in Chicago so there's a there's a lot of history there. that is a lot of people I mean that's, that's a, a lot of is people. that a lot of people for is that more than New York we'd say per capita I, I mean, have to believe sounds here, like a lot but here, here's the deal the FBI has said that they have more FBI agents in the city of Chicago than any other city in the country, including New York and Los Angeles. So I, I believe that's more than just by coincidence that we have all those FBI agents in Chicago. Uh, so, I mean, there, there is a... It's the history. When I was in prison, and I was walking down the comp in the compound the first first day or two, somebody, one of the inmates, comes up to me and says, uh, well, "Where are you from?" And I said, "Oh, I'm from Chicago." Oh, Chicago! He says two things that come to mind from Chicago: Daly and Al Capone. Well, that's it. So I mean, well, that, actually, Daly, and that goes back to when I was a kid. You know, the, with the uh, the dad, right? And the dad was the true architect of Tough the Chicago of the Chicago machine. Look what he did to the kids in '68. I mean, I used to be a far, far to the left Democrat. So and they're actually going to make a down. movie now about the Chicago 7. You know, the old, the, the Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, all that. Sure. Yeah, most actually, of them are dead now, I thought. A lot of them are dead. Yeah, a lot of them are dead. Well, but Jerry, Jerry uh, Rubin's dead. Well, Tom Hayden, uh, did he? No, I, no, no. Tom, Tom Hayden, I think, is still alive. Because right? he married Jane Fonda. Well, that might kill me after a while. I mean, Jane Fonda was magnificent. I mean, <laughs> how do you marry Jane Fonda? He's, and how do you leave Jane Fonda? Well, wait a minute. Ted Turner did the same thing. Maybe there's something wrong with Jane Fonda. Uh, I don't, I don't want to go down that she room. hold a man? Well, she married Ted Turner then, right? Right. And then he left her after a while. Right. She must be some tough woman. Hey, listen. Any woman that can sit in the in the anti-aircraft guns in Hanoi, oh, right. she's, she's too, a tough she's, woman. She's too political for me. <laughs> now, that's really part of the left. I mean, that's, that's worse than Chicago. No. I. You know what? I always call myself a pragmatic progressive. I'm kind of like in the middle. And uh, when people ask me if I'm a Cubs fan or a Sox fan, I said I'm a Chicago fan. So that's kind of my uh, well, that's cool. My position. That's, that's a nice thing to be. So, so but I'm, I'm excited yeah. about tomorrow's show. Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about uh, you know Chicago and Illinois politics, and we're gonna try to give people a perspective out here in South Florida about you know what goes on in Chicago, and from people who've who've uh, covered a lot of different stories, covered the different governors, covered different mayors, and we'll get a different perspective. And, and I hope people out here will find it interesting. Now, I think they will, and a lot of people want to know why. You know, a lot of people don't understand why, as we just pointed out, it is so corrupt in Chicago. Now, you would think every city is corrupt. I'm from New York City, and I knew how corruption really ran in New York City because you grew up with it. We knew that Mayor Wagner ran a great city, but he was tied into everybody. Right. You know, everyone paid and did. But, you know, the city ran. But here's my story, Rich, and I, I tell people all the time, I was... you got about 15 seconds, then we can continue the story. Oh, we'll continue the story, because I said I was an ideal, idealistic law student, get involved in Chicago politics, and I'll, I'll finish that when we come back. All right, when we come back, we've got Lasky, and we have our good friend, Matt Bradbard, from MV Wealth, right here in 880 to Biz. Don't go anywhere, we're on the Rich Rothman Show, just here for you. The Jay Molina International Trade Consortium, or the ITC, promotes Miami-Dade County as a global gateway by enhancing international relations, cultural understanding, and international trade. Every year, the ITC leads two business development missions to countries that have the potential to increase trade with our community through Miami International Airport or the Port of Miami. The ITC is the official county agency charged with the development of this trade. 
and functions as an umbrella organization or clearinghouse for other trade development efforts within the county. Our vision is to promote and strengthen Miami-Dade County's excellent business climate, strong international financial services, and rich cultural diversity, making it the logical platform for trade with Latin America and the Caribbean. For more information about the J. Molina International Trade Consortium, go to MiamiDade.gov slash ITC or call us at 305-375-5808. It might be as simple as a water heater that bursts and floods your home. It could be as devastating as a fire that destroys your home. Either way, you need someone to represent you to make sure you get the maximum compensation from your insurance company. You need someone who knows how to prepare claims accurately. You need someone who can help you get a prompt and equitable settlement. You need East Coast Public Adjusters, one of the largest and most dependable firms in the insurance industry. East Coast Public Adjusters will be there for you every step of the way, from the initial evaluation and throughout the preparation of your claim. Sometimes people settle claims with their insurance company, only to realize they're entitled to much more. East Coast Public Adjusters will help you reopen your claim and try to get you the money you need. If you've suffered damage to your home from flood, fire, lightning, wind or smoke damage, or even theft, you need East Coast Public Adjusters. Call East Coast Public Adjusters today, 305-441-0882, 305-441-0882, or on the web at eastcoastadjusters.com. Should commodities be part of your investment portfolio in 2009? What might be the performance for commodities in 2009? Where are the energy prices going? Is the bearish trend coming to an end in the U.S. dollar? Should I own gold or silver? Will the cost of food go up or down? If these questions are important to your investment strategy, then you should be talking to MB Wealth, a full-service commodity brokerage, to find out how MB Wealth is positioning its clients to take advantage of commodities over the next few months and quarters. Let MB Wealth help you at the retail level or advise you on a partial asset allocation with a commodity trading advisor with an established track record. In this volatile economy, it is more important than ever to have a diversified portfolio. Find out more on commodity investment specifics by calling MB Wealth at 954-929-9997 or log on to our website at www.mbwealth.com. While you're there, check out MB Wealth's weekly commodity commentary plus monthly research articles, tools that can help with your investment decisions. Call Matt Bradbart, President MB Wealth, at 954-929-9997 for all the details. MB Wealth, a full-service commodity firm. Risk of loss in trading commodity futures and options can be substantial. All funds committed should be purely risk capital. Past performance is no guarantee of future trading results. Seaboard Marine is an ocean transportation company that provides direct regular service between the United States and the Caribbean Basin, Central and South America. Seaboard Marine's success in the region for nearly 25 years has enabled it to expand into new markets, now serving nearly 40 ports in over 20 countries. Seaboard Marine's facilities include a private terminal of nearly 70 acres at the Port of Miami. Seaboard Marine carries more cargo to and from the Port of Miami than any other carrier. Although this facility complies with and exceeds all governmental security mandates, it operates seven days a week, 365 days a year, a unique convenience for its customers. Seaboard Marine serves these routes from Miami, Bahamas, Grand Cayman, Colombia, Dominican Republic, Eastern Caribbean, 
Haiti, Jamaica, North Central America, South Central America, Venezuela, and the West Coast of South America, including Peru, Chile, Bolivia. Seaboard Marine, a trade leader in the Western Hemisphere. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rockman. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL. Customer service is back in shipping. From Atlantic Radio Network. This is the Rich Rothman Show. The Rich Rothman Show. Dot com. Little uh, Chicago blues for us tonight. As we, uh, we have James Lasky in the studio today. Welcome back to the uh, Rich Rothman Show. It's on 880 The Biz, and we're also simulcast on uh, podcasting. At therichrothmanshow.com, you can catch us at iTunes as well. And on the phone today with us right now is Matthew, Matt Bradbard from MB Wealth. Hi, Matt. Hey, Rich. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm actually fine. It's a gorgeous day today. And, um, but, you know, it's, it's a, you know, I was watching, you know, CNBC for a, a couple of hours this afternoon. And Geithner was talking for night. It's, it's it's a very interesting time, and it, I, I just want to get. I, I know you're into commodities, but you know, talk a little bit, Matthew. When you see what's going on right now, you know what goes through your mind. A man who's been in the business for many many years has done for, you know really well, and uh, and you play the commodity market. But when you watch what's going on, you listen to Geithner and Bernanke. You know, what are you thinking? Well, it's depressing be quite frank. Uh, I mean, you've got the S&P at multi-decade lows. It's been down 13 of the last 16 days. And, you know, the more you see Bernanke, Geithner, you know, you see their face on the television, I mean, you can tell the stock market sells off. It, there's a lack of confidence. There's severe pessimism. And I've been looking for a rally, a bottom in the stock market, not I'm not advising people to average in on their stocks or to be an aggressive buyer, but as a trader, just looking for a dead cap bounce or short covering. So it's depressing when I see them talking. The market's just selling off. We bought the S&P for some clients lightly last week, and it's been rough. I mean, we're long from higher levels, and I'm looking for a bounce. But, you know, at some point i got to admit I'm wrong if we don't get a bounce immediately. Well, you're, you're right on that. A number of folks we've been talking to have said the same thing. They really expected a bounce, and there's no bounce. I mean, there's not even a dribble. What, what you're going to see happen is when you see bullish news and the market, and this isn't just the S&P, you know, a stock, a commodity, what have you, if you see bad news and the market moves higher or if you see good news and the market moves lower, that's a turning point. So... What I think could happen, if we don't see a rally between now and Friday and you get a horrible non-farm payroll number and the market doesn't sell off on that, we're going to see a bounce. Really? That, that's a good thing to know. You see, folks? There you have it. Matt, uh, you're at MB Wealth. I just want to get it out right now before we go any farther. What's your phone number for people to talk to? And then we'll talk, give you reasons why you should be calling Matt. 954-929-929. 9997. Alright, 954-929-9997. Get a hold of Matt at, um, uh, Matt Bradbart at MB Wealth. And, and we're talking, <clears throat> we're just talking about the S&P. And, and I mentioned this to you, uh, this morning, uh, that, you know, Kudlow, I was watching Kudlow and company. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed listening to him. And I, I, he has a million talking heads at one time. He doesn't talk about politics. I don't mind hearing him. Yeah, but but the point is, I mean, what I'm trying to say is that he has like six people at one time. I don't know why he does that. It gets a little chaotic. 
But he was he was saying that the S and P could be hitting the year's low in the next few days. That, that's what they were discussing. I don't disagree with that, but you know what I do is so much more than just the S and P. I mean, we're losing money right now in the S and P, but we're making money in oil. We're making money in natural gas, silver. We just had a huge trade in silver. We're actually on the sidelines looking for silver and gold to move low, and we're going to be positioning buying silver and gold again this week or next. Looking for that uptrend to continue that's been going on for the last six years. So but let me ask you this. Now, we're talking about, obviously, an alternative to the equities game. And obviously, the equities game, equities game as of recent, kind of obvious, without giving great advice, it's just not, it's not working right now. No one seems to, as you said, no one has confidence. Nobody wants to jump into the market. So there, there's a lot of cash on the sidelines right now. A lot right of cash now. on the sidelines. But Hopefully, some of those people on the sidelines are listening to your show, Rich, and they'll call me. Well, I want to discuss that. It's exactly where I'm going with this. You got to place your money. You know, the, the question that people always ask, and everyone asks this at lunches, and maybe Jimmy may get the same thing. If I sell right now, which I don't know if you really should be doing that, but if I sold, where would I put my money? You know, where, you know, where would you have any idea? This well, is Jim I, Lasky. Matt, I have a question. When I, when I left the city and I, I had to pull my uh, monies from my pension, uh, and I talked to my financial guy, and, and uh, things were kind of, you know, a few months back were kind of hit and miss. But he said to me, he says, well, when we get a new president, and we didn't know if it was going to be McCain or Obama, he said, things will pick up. And historically, I think, over the years, when you get a new administration into the White House, the, the, the stock market usually does better. Yeah, but when have we ever been in the situation we've been in historically with unemployment moving higher, the trade debacles, you know, the illegitimate businesses, practices, the credit crunch? I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter who's president, what administration. I mean, we have a mess on our hands. Yeah, I know, but I, you know, I'm not blaming Obama. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying that, you know, Obama's talking about, you know, change and this and that. And, and, and I thought that we'd have a little, a little boost when he got in there but nothing. you and me both nothing and you know he came in the market dropped what a thousand points it didn't do anything right it, it right. went down another thousand points and it is continued in that cycle right now i think matt's 100 percent correct correct as it relates to the market as it relates to corporate you know don't even say the word market as it relates to corporate right now there is such a lack of confidence don't you think matt yeah, people just don't problem. believe that's why you have record cash on the sidelines because of that lack of confidence and you know the fear trade is back on you have them bidding up treasuries eventually that party's going to end too so uh, there is a lot of money on the sideline and people don't know where to put it which leads me to my point getting back to matthew you know matthew positioning commodities right now I mean, the mission statement for commodities could be what? Well, it's very simple. Barclays, household name, I have no bias. I have some of my clients with some of these funds, but they issued last week the top 20 commodity trading advisors for 2008. Okay, number 20 made 86% last year. Number one made 158% last year. What the stock market do last year? What the real estate market do last year? You know, I don't know what 2009 is going to bring, but certainly diversification is key. And I think in this day and age, anybody that has the intestinal fortitude and the capital that does not have 5, 10, 15 percent, maybe as much as 20 percent, if they're extremely aggressive invested in commodities, is going to miss the boat and regret not having allocation in the next three to five years. The next three to five weeks, three to five days. I don't have a clue, but next three to five years, 
what these central banks are doing around the globe and how to reinflate out of this situation we we are in. Commodities, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, are going to outperform stocks. Well, all right. Let, let's get into that for a second then. Yeah, I, people don't know where the stocks are going. People are not happy with corporations. People don't even trust. You know, CEO is a bad three-letter word now. People just don't believe in CEOs right now. So, you know, Matt, you, you said... They, no, I don't blame them. I, I have never seen such a bad ethical problem. It, well, I guess since Miami had a bad ethical problem, we had to have a, an ethics czar with well, Bob Beatty. Was well, they're, going to, they're going to Washington hand in hand, and they, they're, dry, they're flying in with their corporate jets, and they're talking about their you know, multi-million dollar salaries. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the people... It, it's, just, it's, it's sad right now. You know, it's very sad. You know, people have said they have never in their career, people with you know, 20, 30 years of experience are saying they have never seen seen it so bad so Matt you made a very interesting point the other day and, and a couple of people talked to me about it over dinner the other night and they said you know that guy that was on your show made it kind of plain to me and, 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 you, and you it was a very flippant question and you're quite you know what I'm I, what, what you said you yeah, said hey, you had the conversation probably over a half a dozen commodities that I trade well that's my point what you said you was some beef, do you like to eat do you eat I mean that's what you said Matt yeah Pretty it, simple. So, so the interesting thing is that if you're not going to be, you know, look at look at the values of some of these companies right now that are out there. Uh, the dollar and change were companies that were going for fifty eight dollars, eighty seven dollars, you know, just a, a short time ago. Listen, I, before I called into the radio show, I was talking to a prospective client. You know, he makes a decent amount of money, probably six figure income. He's looking at putting, you know, his speculative dollars here, and he said. You know, I wanted to buy gasoline. I think gasoline's going to move higher over the next couple months, but I keep doubling down on Citigroup. In my opinion, might pay off. You know, he's got a low cost basis now, but he's throwing good money after bad money. Well, actually, I think Citigroup's going to cut a deal with McDonald's right now because if you get two Happy Meals, they're going to also give you, in plastic, by the way, uh, along with your spoon for your Sunday, uh, a share of Citigroup. Yeah. I mean that. Well, I mean that sounds silly, but well, that's me, where it's at. But Matt, do you think by the, by summer the gas prices are going to go up quite a bit? Uh, at the wholesale level, yeah. At the retail level, it might take a little longer. But I mean, we're positioning our clients, and I said this last week. I said it the week before. We are buying crude oil for customers. We are buying gasoline for customers, and we're buying natural gas for customers. We believe in the next two to three months. Prices will be higher than they are today. Well, today oil finished about forty-one sixty, forty-one sixty-five. Am I right on that? Uh, let's see. April, yeah, it's traded up a dollar fifty, forty-one sixty-five. Okay, so and and uh, and gas uh, retail or no, wholesale was about a buck thirty-two. Well, that's up three cents. Yeah, but but it's up if you if you track it back a few weeks or a few months. It was down to what? Uh, wasn't it under a dollar for a while? Yeah, absolutely, it was close to eighty-five cents a gallon. So, all right, why is that being driven up right now? Uh, it, uh, with it, without getting people confused, yeah, don't confuse them. Worthwhile for the refineries, the crack spread with oil and the margins to keep refining it. Your refineries, you know, are thirty years old and they're working at eighty-two, eighty-three percent capacity utilization rate and it's just not worthwhile they're losing money when gas was at those levels so they stop what people need to understand rich is commodities it's not about a ceo taking sick leave a, you know a company missing earnings or a corporate scandal it's about supply and demand 
and we have a growing population, and I made this analogy about pork in China last week, you have 20% of the world's population consuming 54% of the world's pork. So we're buying pork. Okay, you're at a contract low. We are buying lean hogs for our customers. It sounds crazy. You know, you've seen it in the movies, trading places. We're buying lean hogs. And I would rather buy lean hogs. That's a very famous scene, by the way. Sachs, than Citigroup, than Dell. I mean, I'm not a stockbroker, so I'm not giving any stock advice. But I would rather own natural gas at a six-year low. I would rather own gold and silver betting on inflation coming into play between now and the end of the year than I would, you know, to, to pick stocks right now. And I ran some numbers right before I called in. Let's say, Rich, yeah. somebody has a million-dollar portfolio, okay? And let's say they have no commodities exposure. They have $600,000 in stocks, and they have $400,000 in bonds. If they lost 30% in their stocks last year and they made 5% in the bonds, okay, they lost, roughly 16% last year, $160,000. Let's say on that same million-dollar portfolio, you have 700000 in stocks, you have 200000 in bonds, and you have 10% or 100000 in commodities. The same performance, a 30% loser in the stock market, which a lot of people would be fine with based on their track record last year, a 5% gain in bonds. The worst-performing CTA here, was 86%. Let's take 80%. You're down 11% on the year. You still lost money, but you know by diversifying into commodities, you're going to lower your beta and your risk by being in a separate asset class that's non-correlated to stocks, real estate, and bonds. Which is a smart move. I mean, if someone thinks about it. It's very logical. It's very rational, but a lot of people don't understand it. And you know, the people that continue to buy and hold... You know, with the definition of insanity, it's, you know, continuing the same action, expecting different results. Buy and hold is dead. It's not going to work anymore. So, um, when you look at the industry right now, Matt, uh, are you... the industry? Yeah, uh, if you were to track it over the last few years. I, I would imagine you're seeing a lot more interest now than you did maybe even 10 years ago. Huge influx of interest. You have, you know, endowment funds, pension funds moving a portion, not replacing their exposure in stocks right. and bonds, but diversifying a piece of their portfolio, without a doubt. And ETFs are big, too. There's a lot of new ETFs that if people don't you know, like trading stocks, don't give a commodity broker money. Don't give a, a managed fund guy. Look at some of these ETFs that track you know, natural gas or crude oil or livestock. You know, one of our biggest holdings for customers is sugar. I think there's an ETF that has sugar in it. What about, I want to go back to some of the metals, because you were pretty high on metals for a while. Yeah, and if you remember the last two weeks, I said we're looking for a correction, and then we're going to buy it again. Right. You're getting a correction. Gold was down printing $1,000 a week right. and a half ago. Right. Everybody is probably jumping in. We got out a week and a half ago with our clients. We missed the top by about $40. But it's down $26.40 today. Uh, closed today at uh, $913. So that move from, you know, over 1000 to, let, let's use round numbers, 1000 to 900 yeah. is $10,000 on one futures contract. So we didn't want to overstay our welcome. We have not got back into gold yet. We are looking for 
And this is all on our website at mbwealth.com. We write a weekly commentary, a daily blog. We are looking to re-enter between 860 and 900. Buy it. Silver was at $14.60. If you look in November, we were advising people to buy it at $9. You like silver. Silver is my favorite trade. It was at 1460 a week and a half ago. It's at 1270. That too represents about a $10,000 move per contract in the futures. Mm-hmm. We're looking 1150 to 12 dollars to reestablish longs in silver, and we think that will happen within the next week to two. And we're going to buy silver again. So all in all, maybe you know, Matt, you know, you're the. I hate to say this, but you're the silver lining. You could be the silver lining in somebody's investment strategy right now. Yeah, I mean, if you have 5 or 10% with me, and I even do exceptional, I'm not going to make up if the rest of your portfolio is doing terrible. Nor, if I do terrible, 5 to 10% of your portfolio isn't going to set you back if you have 70, 80, 90% that's you know, holding its own or performing. The key is diversifying a small piece of your portfolio in something that's working right now, because other asset classes aren't working. Okay, now, they want to get a hold of you. Let's, let's give all the information. mbwealth.com, mbwealth.com. Got to hold of Matthew that way. That's the internet way. The phone number is 954, Matthew, please. 929-9997. Mm-hmm. 929-9997, and area code 954. Now, it's not a bad idea, folks, to just get on the phone or, or email him, get on the internet, and you know, just introduce yourself, talk to him. And just understand a little bit the psychology of Matthew's investment strategies, right, Matt? Yes, start tracking our recommendations. Like I said, it's very easy. There's no obligation. We do a daily blog and write every day what we're doing for current clients. Bring in your questions. Commentary. You know, a lot of people have questions about commodities. Email me. Email Matt. Email Lori. She's great at getting back. We get a lot of inquiries, and you know, we're try to answer the question. If we don't know it, we'll find the answer. And they'll get back to you. So, uh, Matt, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Running out of time. All right. Thanks, Matt. That's Matt Bradbard, mbwealth.com. MBWealth. Get a hold of him uh, right up in uh, the Fort Little Deal market. Guy uh, smart as a whip, and we're really glad to have him uh, talk to us about the commodities markets. And i got to tell you, man, I wish I had paid attention a while back because I'm looking at these numbers and stats, and... Um, very, very exciting stuff. Very ex- and i got to tell you something. You know, Jim, what was isn't anymore. No, in, the, in investments. But do you th- actually think we're in a depression? God, I don't know. I, I, mean, I hear do it. I think we're in inside a really deep recession? Here, yeah. The Chicago Sun-Times today says a depression doesn't have to be great. Bread lines, rampant unemployment, a wipeout in the stock market. The economy can sink into a milder depression, the kind spelled with a lowercase d. Yeah. And it may be happening now. Well, I don't disagree with that. I, I tend to think that's correct. Do I think it's, uh, you know, it could be a depression with people on the street if everything were to go to hell and just collapse. That could happen. Right. You know, and I, and I think we were close to that, by the way, when Lehman was going under and prior to that when AIG was about to crash and burn and all the other investment groups. I think... I know that the people are upset with the Bush administration for setting out those tar punts, but I think they did what they had to do. Look, we're going to continue this discussion when we get back. We've got Jim Lasky here from Chicago. Don't go anywhere. It's 531. We're going to be right back on 880 The Biz.
The Port of Miami is the second largest economic engine in our community, providing an annual economic base of over $16 billion and over 100,000 jobs. These are high-paying in-demand jobs, very much coveted by other cities and ports throughout the Americas. We're fortunate to have this business. And of that $16 billion, international trade and cargo at the port accounts for over $13 billion per year, a significant fact, as well as a significant economic impact for all of us, the Port of Miami, working to enhance and contribute to the economic success of our country, further reinforcing Miami and South Florida as the gateway to the Americas. A new terminal that is larger than some mid-sized U.S. airport. The new Miami International Airport. A new 350-space ground-level short-term parking lot. The new Miami International Airport. The only U.S. airport with sleep pods. The new Miami International Airport. The international gateway to the Americas with more flights to South America than all U.S. airports combined. The new Miami International Airport. And coming soon, 61 new retail and food shops to add to your airport savoir faire. Come experience the new Miami International Airport and watch us move towards the future. The new Miami International Airport. Where in South Florida can you find a truly elegant hotel with 276 luxury guest rooms offering a newly renovated championship golf course, tennis courts, the largest hotel swimming pool in the country with private poolside cabanas, a world-class spa, and an award-winning fitness center with a restaurant that Zagat called one of the best restaurants in the country, all spread over a 150-acre tropical paradise landscape. Give up? At Biltmore Coral Gables, Miami, a golf and spa resort. Built in 1926, Biltmore Coral Gables, Miami, the golf and spa resort, is a South Florida landmark. With all the amenities to make your next getaway weekend or night away from the kids a memorable experience. Visit www.biltmorehotel.com for more information or call 1-800-747-1926 for reservations. Your next great getaway weekend or night out awaits you at Biltmore Coral Gables, Miami, a golf and spa resort. Do you own a business outsourcing your accounting? Then call the accounting and tax experts at TNJ Tax Service. For over 30 years, TNJ Tax Service has been preparing taxes for South Florida companies and individuals. As enrolled agents with the Internal Revenue Service, the pros at TNJ Tax Service can represent you or your company professionally to the IRS. Have challenges with your company's bookkeeping? Then call TNJ Tax Services. QuickBooks certified. TNJ Tax Services can provide training on QuickBooks for any small business. If you need monthly or quarterly bookkeeping services to handle all of your payroll and business needs, then you need to call TNJ and J Tax Service, located at Taft and Flamingo in the Pillbox Plaza. Call 954-432-1700. 954-432-1700. TNJ Tax Services. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Robin. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL. Customer service is back in shipping. From Atlantic Radio Network. <laughs> I like nonsense. It wakes up the brain cells. This is the Rich Rothman Show. The Rich Rothman Show.com. Okay, welcome back. A little Chicago for you. Make you feel good about that. Welcome back to the show. 34 minutes after the hour. In the studio today. In the studio tomorrow for two hours from 6 to 8. And at Books and Books on Thursday, live. We do a live remote broadcast from Books and Books. Thank you, Mitchell. And we're going to have Jim Lasky there from Chicago, the author of My Fall from Grace City Hall to Prison Walls. Jim Lasky, of course, uh, was the, uh, the uh, city clerk. Second most powerful position in Chicago. I should say thank you to Mitchell, too. 
And yes, and you'll meet Mitchell, and we'll have I'm a coffee. Thank you us. now. Okay, there you go, Mitch. But uh, uh, Jim, welcome to the show again. Uh, thank glad you. To have you thank here. you. Uh, let, let's talk for a second. We have so much to talk about. And how does a guy like you get to be a guy like you? I mean, let's go back to your. your how did you? Why politics? You started out law. Well, you know what? I I was a, a law student, and uh, I was uh, <laughs> I needed to pay the bills. This is and, good. Okay. Paying bills are good. And uh, in Chicago, a precinct captain is, is like God. Okay. A precinct captain back in the 70s when I was in law school was the guy who would help you get your, uh, you know, pass your driver's test. He would get you a garbage a can. Precinct. Precinct captain. captain, a precinct worker. Who makes you that? The, the ward boss, the ward committeeman, uh, the, the guy who's in charge, or the, the girl who's in charge of a, of a particular, uh, district, uh, the political boss of a particular area in Chicago. And then those precinct workers or precinct captains go out on election day and all year round and try to drum up the votes for that particular candidate. How old are you? I am 55. No, 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 no. Oh, at that time. Oh, at that time, yeah. I was in my 20s. You're in your 20s. Okay, so I'm in law school. Yeah. Okay. So the precinct captain comes to the door, and election's coming up. Okay. And uh, he comes to the door, and a good precinct captain will say, you know, elections are two months away. Okay. So what can I do for the lasties? You know, what do you need? Do you need a, you know, do you need a garbage can? Do you need your tree cut down? Do you need your sidewalk fixed? Do you need a jury someone's taken care of? I mean, all that stuff. That's a good Chicago. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so. I when, they, wait a minute, when they say a jury summons taken care of, what does that mean? A jury summons. What happens? Well, what, what, you, you, I don't know how it works out in Florida, but in, in Chicago, a jury, you'd get a summons in the mail. To go serve on a jury. Serve on a jury, right. And, you know, and a lot of people. They don't want to go. They don't want to so go. get rid of it. The, so the captain gets rid of it. The, the captain does what he has to do, and it's, and it's gone. Is and that it, a paid position? The priest, no. Well, no. Here's the story in Chicago. Okay. Let me, right. A precinct captain or a precinct worker, he does that. For the, the for the ward boss or the elected official, but in return, the precinct worker has a has a great city job or state job or a county job. So he has his regular job that the the politician gets him, and then in the evening or in the weekends, he volunteers, kind of volunteers, you know, it's the old uh, pay to play politics, and you you go out and work for the for the elected official. So the, the precinct captain comes to the house and says, Lasky's, what can I do for you? And, uh, and my mom and dad, uh, I was living with my folks at the time, and I said, hey, I'm in law school. I need a summer job to help pay for my tuition. And he says to me, he says, well, you know, we can help you out there. We can, we can take care of you, but I need your vote in the upcoming gubernatorial election. Uh, Adlai Stevenson, a Democrat in Illinois, and everybody's a Democrat in Chicago, was running against a guy by the name of Jim Thompson, a former U.S. attorney who was a Republican, and he just happened to speak at my law school. He comes to our, my law school with a flannel shirt on, jeans, and two golden retrievers, and he gives this fire brimstone speech about corruption and everything else. And I said, boy, I like this guy, but he's a Republican. Well, my priest captain needs that vote for Adlai Stevenson. So I have an absentee ballot sent to the law school. So I figure I'm in good shape here. Nobody's going to know that. Right. So I vote absentee, and I vote against the priest captain. I vote for Jim Thompson, Jim Thompson, the Republican. Okay, the summer comes and goes and there's no summer job you didn't get, you didn't I didn't get, get the summer job I didn't get hired oh. so the next fall there's another election coming up and here comes the the, the priest of captain sashay into the front door again and he says uh, Lasky's another election coming up is there anything I could do for you I said I happen to be home again I said, anything I could do for you you didn't take care of me the last time I asked for a summer job but I didn't get it priest of captain looks me directly in the eye and says yeah I know 
And I says, what do you mean you know? He says, yeah, I know you didn't get the summer job because you didn't vote our way. And I says, I didn't vote your way. I voted absentee ballot. He says, yeah, I know. Oh, so they knew. They know what's going on oh, in that precinct. They so know to a person. That was my introduction to mm -hmm. Chicago politics. And at that point in time, one would think I would have never gotten involved. But, you know, I was a glutton for punishment. The precinct captain finally got me an audience with the ward committeeman who happened to be the alderman, then became a congressman. And uh, uh, and one thing led to another, and I got he asked me to uh, join his staff. And I joined his staff back in 1979. And I worked for him for 11 years before he, I say he made me, it's almost like the mafia thing, he made me, he went to Mayor Daly and had me appointed uh, alderman to finish off a term, and then I had to run the, the following year on my own for election. So I spent a good part of 27 of my years in life is, is, in politics, and 16 of which as an elected official. So, um, but that was, that was kind of my introduction to Chicago politics. But at all given times, even when you're the city clerk, mm -hmm. somebody's in charge. I mean, someone looks at the whole, the macro of everything and keeps it the way they want it. Oh, yeah. But here, let me, let me just go back. Let me just... In other words, it's a machine. Absolutely. But let me digress. When I was an alderman, I represented um, about 50,000 people as an alderman, city councilman. When I ran for city clerk, I ran in the entire city of Chicago, and you know, and, 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 and matter of fact, one election, I actually beat out Daly for votes. I actually got about a half a billion votes, and I beat out Daly, which he doesn't like that kind of stuff. So of course he doesn't like no. that. Man. So, but uh, it was quite an experience. And 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 it, does a machine run Chicago? Absolutely. I mean, Daly is is a was his father was the architect of the Chicago machine, and now Richie Jr. is uh, you know between the father and Rich, they've served in that position as mayor for 40 out of the last 50 years in Chicago. Talk about a dynasty. Let me ask this question. You know, you started out in politics as a kid. Right. You're in your 20s. In my 20s. You're working with the precinct captains. Right. You're looking for a summer job to help you through law school, maybe. Right. All right. From there, you move on. You go, you elect. What's your position after that would be? Alderman? I, I became, yeah, Alderman City, or City Councilman. Alderman City Councilman. From there, then where do you go? Then I went to. Then I ran for city clerk, and I and I, I ran against uh, two other people in the in the primary because we had primaries, and then in the general I ran against one Republican, and then I ran three other times, and two of them were unopposed. Let me ask you this though: I mean, you just can't make a decision to run. You have to get blessed by somebody. What? Well, yeah, but that's a long story because here, when I left. When I left Lipinski and had a fight with Mayor Daly, I mean, now, who's Lipinski? We didn't say that before. Who's Lipinski? I'm sorry, Lipinski was the ward boss, alderman, then became a congressman. He was a powerful guy. Is he the most powerful in your neighborhood? Yes, in your district. Right, and he he runs the district. Correct. Nobody does anything against Lipinski. No, or and, there's hell to pay. Correct, and Daly's people go to Lipinski. Since Lipinski may be the city councilman or the alderman, they go to Lipinski and say, "Tell Lasky we want him to vote." No, yay or nay on this on this particular issue. For example, there's a property tax increase coming up. We want Lasky to vote yay. Lipinski comes to me and says, Jim, the daily people want you to vote yes. And that's the it. Daily, they yeah, all right. They don't say, Jim, will you think about it? Jim, can we talk to you about it? Jim, no, they don't ask you. They the tell you. They tell you how to vote. So the one 
one point in my life. It's I an said, imperative statement. And, and, and it got to a point where I said, you know what, it would be nice if someone asked you how to vote. I mean, I thought this was a democracy, and I was naive again. But Lipinski says, Jim, you got to vote for this property tax increase. And I says, Congressman, I said, I can't do it. And he said, Jim, if you don't vote for it, you can't be a member of this organization anymore. I'm going to kick you out of the building. Wait a minute. So it becomes his agenda, Lipinski's agenda, well, because, is your agenda. Yeah, because he's the war. We don't have the right to go against. He's that. a congressman, but he's also the ward boss or ward committeeman. He's he's also he holds two positions. So the 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 dailies go to a guy like Lipinski. There's 50 committeemen because there's 50 wards in the city of Chicago. Lipinski's one of the 50 committeemen, but he happens to also be a congressman. So they go to Lipinski and say, "Tell your alderman because he's your alderman. You you wanted him. Tell him how he has to vote." So that was the whole story. I mean, it was. I got to a point in my life where I said, "You know what? I'm not going to be told how to vote. You can ask me. Let's discuss." It, let's do this. That, this, that could this. be a very dangerous statement. Oh, it was in Chicago. I mean, your career could end, and so could you. Absolutely. And I had many people tell me if you vote against this, if you vote against uh, the property tax increase and vote go against Daly and Lipinski, you're done politically. All right, hang on. We're uh, on the radio today with uh, Jim Lasky, who uh, wrote the book My Fall from Grace City Hall to Prison Walls. He was the city clerk of uh, Chicago, which years? From 19, of uh, city clerk from 95 to 2006. 95, that's a long time. And then that was Alderman from 90 to 95. And Alderman prior to that, and you were very much involved in the Democratic Party. From 1979. Okay. On. So here we're talking about Chicago politics, which seems very relevant today. If you'd like to get involved, if you get a chance, give us a call at 866-954-4276. 866-954-4276. And you can ask Jim Lasky yourself some of the questions that you may have, because this is a very relevant conversation. Everything that's happening that's exciting, and number one, our president comes from Chicago, and we're going to talk about that. A governor is being indicted, is indicted, and is being has well, been he will impeached. Be indicted. Yeah, he, he will be indicted. He's impeached. Yeah. Right. He was no, arrested I, already. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was arrested. So that's out there right now. And then the current senator was appointed... Roland Burris was appointed by Blagojevich, who was accused of selling Obama's Senate seat. So Burris is sitting in a seat that they people, many people think he should be sitting in. I mean, so, this is like a novel. Oh yeah, it's I mean, like, this is right out of a novel, isn't it? It's like a dime store novel. Oh yeah, more so, like a Peyton place. I would. Yeah, say. well, we'll get into that too. So let's go back to this. So here we are with Jim Lasky, and um, you're, you get involved in politics, and what you're saying is that an agenda is set, the machine controls. Now this is serious. What happens to people? Can you give us some examples? What happens to people when they cross the machine? Well, here, let me give you an example. One that everyone seems to know in Chicago, but we don't know in Florida. Okay. I, when I was a city clerk, okay, one of my responsibilities was to issue business licenses to businessmen across the city of Chicago. I issued over 100,000 business licenses every six months. Nice job. Okay. That was one of my duties. The Department of Revenue, which was in a daily a daily appointee, not somebody who runs for the commissioner of the Department of Revenue, was appointed by daily. That department would do the paperwork, and we would get the paperwork from Revenue to issue the license. Well, the Department of Revenue was screwing up on the on the business licenses. They were giving a a, a, a tavern, a, a heating and air conditioning license, and a funeral parlor, a restaurant license. I mean, it was just embarrassing stuff going on. So I I called for a meeting with daily. So I go up to his office. And just he and I are sitting in the uh, in his office, and I start going into this, this stuff about the business licenses, and he's sitting there, you know, writing all these notes on the on the yellow legal pad. He's just going, you know, just going crazy, just writing, writing, writing. And I said, Mayor, I I really think that I can do a good job, you know, if I just took over the whole 
to do any some revenue and just ran the whole operation. And he says, okay, we'll get back to you on that. About two days later, he sends down two of his a henchman and a henchwoman uh, to, to my office. This is in your book. I read yeah. this in your book. They come into my office, and they and it was just unannounced, and they says, we have to read you a note from the mayor. Okay. Now, of course, the mayor would never come down and do this. <sighs> no. He sends, he sends his, his, his people. His people. Yeah. And basically, the letter said, and this is from the mayor of the city of Chicago, the, the current mayor, I don't appreciate you trying to take over the, those responsibilities from the Department of Revenue. If you continue to go after that, that those duties, I will take it personally, and I will lobby the legislators in Springfield, Illinois, to take your statutory powers away as city clerk of Chicago, and you won't have to worry about business licenses anymore because you won't have that power anymore. And he means by that, you're then gone. I would be gone. You're gone. Yeah, well, I mean, that responsibility would be gone. And then what would eventually happen is, is that my duties would be reduced statutorily by law, and then they would argue just to eliminate the office. So that's how he gets rid of people who go against him. Well, yeah. He, you become irrelevant. Right. And that's what he doesn't want someone to have a lot of power. And what I say in, in my book is in Chicago, there's a lot of arm twisting, but sometimes the arm twisting goes to arm breaking. Okay. So, in other words, if, if an outsider wants to get into politics, an outsider being someone who didn't play you know, with the aldermen, didn't play with the captains, you know, didn't work up the ladder, so to speak, and, and devote uh, their energies to the machine itself, could they ever get into politics? You know, it all depends. I mean, they could they could probably get into a small local office because if, if the votes are, are limited in a, in, a, in a ward or in a legislative district, if you run, want to run in a, in a larger state senate district or a or a you know congressional district or citywide, yeah, you're going to need support from the from the machine or, or at least part of the machine. And and you know what? It it it's few and far between. And 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 what I talk about with Barack Obama now, our current president, is I said, you know, he's a product of Chicago. And now, where is he from exactly? He's well, on the he, south side. Yeah, south side, around Hyde Park, the University of Chicago area. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we're oh, you know, is that, down, where's, is that yeah, downtown where the university out, is? Outskirts of downtown, south, south Chicago. Okay. But Barack Obama, when he decided to run for state senator, I mean, he didn't go to his minister. He didn't go to his civic league. He didn't go to his friends and neighbors to solicit support. He went to an influential alderman and ward committeeman and said, I want to be a state senator. So Barack Obama, our current president, knew how to play the game in Chicago. You go to your politicians. You don't go to the, the grassroots level. Right. And, 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 and our president has said, well, I've, I've never was an insider. I've been an, you know, kind of an outsider. But Barack Obama, our president, has been both an insider and an outsider. But, you know, again, he, he learned Chicago politics. And we'll see how that all plays out in the White House over the next four years. Okay, so let's, let's go back to the scenario that you're doing. So you're okay. going through the scenario of, of growing up the ladder. You, you're involved in alderman politics at that level. Uh, eventually, you go into a very powerful position. As city clerk. And then... But wait, wait, wait. Okay. To do that, you had to have been blessed by Daly. No, I wasn't. I ran... Ah, that's how I wanted to do it. How did you get that position without Daly? But here's the... Here's you know, the domine, but, here, domine. But, but here's the thing. When I left Daly, I mean, I became the maverick and the media darling of Chicago. You're a maverick. I'm African, an outsider. Okay, you're an outsider. But what I did, but you're not an outsider. You just told me you came through the whole process. Right, but I mean, I you after, played rules. But after I left, after I left Lipinski and Daly, I became an outsider on my own by my own 
I had to become an outsider because I didn't have daily support. But what I did have was a lot of friendships with the 49 other city councilmen and other people in state offices. So when I decided to run for city clerk, Daly would be hard-pressed to try to work against me when he knew I was popular at the time with the people in the city, okay, and a lot of my colleagues. So Daly says, you know what, I'm just going to avoid him. He'll be city clerk. He'll leave me alone. You know, I'm the mayor. He'll be the city clerk, and we'll just have to mutually coexist. So he he just stayed neutral in that election that I ran. And then after I got elected, it was all over with because I ran unopposed after that. And, I, and the well, people, why didn't they have anybody oppose you? I, I was, well, was hopefully I thought hopefully I, that powerful. Well, I, I was I thought I was doing a good job. I mean, I I was the first city clerk in, in the history of Chicago. Did you do a good job? I, you know what? When I was in federal court, and the judge said to me, "Mr. Lasky, have you done a good job as a public official?" I said, "Yes, Your Honor, I have." He said, "Up until this point," and I said, "Up until the indictment, I was doing a good job." So that's kind of that's my history. But anyway, yeah, I was doing a good job, and I was the first city clerk in the history of Chicago to introduce legislation, legislation like the carbon monoxide detector, where I saved lives in Chicago by mandating that people have carbon monoxide detectors in their homes. I went after deadbeat fathers who owed money, and they were business owners that had business licenses in the city. So what did you do to that? We denied them a business license if they were in arrears in child support. And how did you you had to legislate that then? Right, I did. I did the carbon monoxide. I did child support. I did. I, I did a lot of uh, senior IDs, medical IDs for kids. Uh, I mean, I did a lot. Sounds very progressive, Jim. Well, you know what? I, 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 people said that I took an office that was doing nothing and I made it into something. And that was what I was proud of. And I did a lot of, I, I went after city scoff laws. I raised over $12 million because I went after deadbeats city employees who owed park, money on parking so tickets, parking water things. bills, and vehicle stickers. And I said, if you're going to go after the average Joe Blow on the street of Chicago and city employees aren't doing it, what are we talking about? So I said, so we got to collect the money that's owed to us before we go to the taxpayers in Chicago and try to get the money from them. And how long was that program going on? Oh, that I started that. It's called the City Indebtedness Program today. So they actually do a check on all the city employees, and there's like thirty to 40,000 city employees. In and Chicago. they run checks on them every year? Every year, and they have to pay all their bills, though. So that means that people who work for Chicago are current in the taxes of the city of Chicago? For the most part, they are. Better off, better than they were when before right. I went after them, yeah. And I collected, in that one year, we collected over $12 million because we went after people in the Park District, the CTA, the Chicago Transit Authority. Right. And we, City we all know that. We like their music. Right. Now, let me let, just, we have a couple of minutes left, and we're going to say bye. Tomorrow, on our two-hour show, from 6 to 8, right here on 880 The Biz, who, we have some guests coming on. I have some uh, some uh, reporters from the, the major newspapers of Chicago, uh, from the Sh Chicago Tribune and Chicago Sun-Times, reporters that have been around for 20, 30 years, and, and can really tell you about stories about politicians in Chicago. Because you're talking in, in, in 20, 30 years, they've seen three or four governors. They've seen a host of city councils. They've seen a few mayors. I mean, they know Chicago politics, and they can even discuss my situation. And I have a couple elected officials, former elected officials, who knew the former governor. And what, what we're going to try to do tomorrow is give you a little insight into what really goes on in Chicago and from different points of view, from elected officials' point of view, from reporters, investigative reporters who actually, you know, helped nail some politicians in Chicago by doing some investigative uh, reporting. The, 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 this is going to sound like a reach and a stretch, but the film Chicago, Richard Gere and, uh, you know, the very successful movie a couple of years ago. The musical, right. Show the old razzle-dazzle. Is that Chicago? You know what? 
if you, if you think about Chicago, you kind of think of it as a razzle-dazzle. I mean, I, I think of a number of different things. But if, the, the politics is razzle-dazzle. That's what I'm talking I mean, about. It's, do you razzle-dazzle? Do the politicians razzle-dazzle the people? Do they tap dance for the people? Oh, I think I think they do. Uh, they pull the rabbits out of the hat. Give them they a story. Do, give them a story. It's like the P.T. Barnums too in, in Chicago too. They give a little, you know, a little uh, something to, to dangle a few carrots in front of them, and they promise them some things. I mean, we we've all been there. I mean, if you promise a senior citizen, I'm going to cut your tree down a week before the election, or I'm going to get your sidewalk fixed, or I'm going to get you your handicap ramp. Okay. They'll they'll vote for you. So yeah, there's some razzle dazzle. There's some promises. Some are fulfilled. Some aren't. People of Chicago, and, and we're going to get into detail exactly what happened uh, while you're there in Chicago. Um, uh, are they happy? You know what? The, the city's infrastructure is in, uh, is is crumbling now. Taxes are going up. Sales tax is going up. Uh, the city looks pretty. A beautiful lakefront. Some high. Everyone views. loves it. Visit it. Uh, got, it's got some great restaurants. A lot of good things, but. Is, is every major city we, we have an economic crunch right now. Daly wants the Olympics there. I mean, we're the we're the nominee for the United States for the what really? twenty sixteen Olympics. Uh, you know, and Obama's going to be pushing. Where it. would they place them? Way outside. Well, they're going to do a lot of stuff along the lakefront. Uh, tear down one of the old McCormick places, and they're going to they have a lot of different plans. But I'm afraid that that's all going to be at the, t at the backs of the taxpayers. Okay, so we're going to razzle dazzle. We have a little Chicago here, Wanda? All right for you. She read our mind. Yes. Little Chicago. Now, tomorrow, from 6 to 8, we're going to have a special show with Jim Lasky. We're going to have uh, writers from the uh, two major newspapers in Chicago. A couple of former elected officials. A couple of you know former politicians, elected officials from, from Chicago. Right. I'd like to get some men on the street in Chicago. Well, maybe, that maybe, would be maybe I could get on the phone tonight and call some people in Chicago. Get some them. men on the street. I'm yeah. calling you here. Number one, it's cold, Lasky. Right. I don't know what you're doing there, but I'm cold. Uh, but, it, you know, Chicago to me is a, is a terrific town. You know, I go up there and I visit my son and I just think it's wonderful. Uh, but it's very interesting, politics of Chicago, that discussion goes back, you know, 80 years, 100 years. Absolutely. And, and we've, like I said, it's you talk about the Al Capones, the big Jim Thompsons, and, and, and organized crime got to start in Chicago. We talked about the 68 convention in Chicago. We're going to do that tomorrow, 6 to 8, right here on 880 The Biz. Jim Lasky, city clerk from the city of Chicago. We'll see you tomorrow. And we got my Fall from Grace's book. We'll see you at Books of Books on Thursday night. Take care, everybody. Bye. Give all my show that's so splendid for us, row after row. We'll be back for more of the good, the bad, utterly deceptive portal speaks as I the business. This is the Rich Rothman Show.